You are listening to the She Runs the Show podcast with Cassandra Vaughn, episode 308, The Solo Series. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of She Runs the Show. Cassandra with you here. So we are on episode 308. You know, we are living in strange times. I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. We are living in strange times. And as the world continues to amaze me at the level of hot messness that we can get to as a globe, as a global economy. Um, I am starting to see that the things that that evolved from last year are still problematic this year. And I and I bet there are a lot of people out there that are thinking to themselves, when can we get back to normal? And I'm in the camp that says, welcome to the new normal, folks. Like, we're not going back to where we were, because we are not who we were back then. And when I say back then, I mean, pre pandemic, pre internet, pre social media, pre TikTok, pre online business, we are not who we were. And while for those of us who like me are generation X or older, while we can reminisce about the wonder years, right? While we can look back at, at and watch shows like Stranger Things and miss the 80s, uh, while we can watch Rebel Wilson's senior year and miss the 90s, we're not going back there. It's That's done. That's done. Welcome to the new world. And we are a part of the new world. We are building the new world. And I want to talk today about something that I first talked about on a podcast episode three years ago. So three years ago on episode 196, and episode 196 is called A Recession is Coming, Is Your Business Ready? Which by the way, I had quite a few people reach out to me when I did episode 196. And they said to me, Cassandra, a recession's not coming. Like, everything is going so well. The economy's going well. Like, that's not going to happen. Well, here we are. I won't say I told you so, but I will say this was born. This episode was born in episode 196. A recession is coming. Is your business ready? So three years ago, I was talking about the fact that a recession was coming. Let's fast forward three years and here we are right now. And I have been feeling the pull to talk about what I'm about to talk about in today's episode because I I am looking around at the way people are moving through the world. And I am noticing that that everybody's acting like no big shifts are about to happen. Like everybody's going, no, 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 it'll be a blip. But, you know, eh, prices are going higher. Interest rates are going up. Inflation, you know, but what we'll come back down. We'll go back to the way things were. And I am here to tell you, we are not going back to the way things were. We're just not. And I want to help people get ready for what that future is going to look like and get ready to be resilient and gritty and focused and all in on the things that each and every person needs to be doing right now and for the next two to three years before a full-blown recession, like you're feeling the repercussions of the recession. So before that actually happens in a year or two years, 
I want you to be ready. And so in today's episode, episode 308, I'm talking about 10 ways to recession-proof your life and business. Now, I first talked about this in one of the, the Daily Dose of Inspiration emails that I sent out to my email list a few weeks ago. And if you are not signed up for the Daily Dose of Inspiration, please go put your name and email address and sign up and get my daily emails, tinyurl.com forward slash kvdailydose. That is tinyurl.com forward slash kvdailydose. It's worth it. I don't always send out a daily email. That's just an FYI. If I don't feel like I have anything to say, I don't send it out. But I, I had to talk a couple weeks ago about this. I, I had to lay down some things about this in the daily email. And I said in that email that I was going to do a podcast episode about it. So here the podcast episode is. So let's talk about it. Wherever you live in the world, it, this is not just a USA-centric episode of a podcast. Globally, people are feeling the pain. Globally, we're seeing higher gas prices, uh, rates of inflation that are through the roof, wages not possibly catching up, mortgage rates going up, everything costs more, private school for the kids costs more, food costs more, eggs. I've never seen eggs at the price. Do you realize that where I am in Wyoming, a dozen eggs is now $3? An 18 count of eggs is almost $6? Do you know what I normally buy eggs for? A dozen for 98 cents. 98 cents. And I'm now paying $3 for the same dozen eggs. Just saying. So, and, and lots of people will go, well, you know, here's what I've seen people say. Uh, usually very, very wealthy people. Um, but lots of people are like, well, no, no, no. I'm okay with, you know, inflation and the price of everything increasing and, and I can absorb the cost. Here's the thing. I can absorb the cost too. Doesn't mean I like it. Doesn't mean I want to pay. $3 for a dozen when I was paying 98 cents a month ago. That it doesn't matter whether I can absorb. It's just not right. I mean, I literally protested eggs for a few weeks because I was like, no, this is, this is, this $3 a dozen thing is not right. It doesn't matter if I can absorb the cost. I shouldn't have to. So to all the people who are in certain categories of wealth and socioeconomic status who, who look around and go, ah, oh, you know, gas is $7 a gallon or $6 a gallon in California. And, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah, but say that to the single mother who's raising five children under the age of 12 and she's got to commute an hour back and forth from work. She's not in the same scenario as you. So don't speak on her behalf because maybe you can afford it, but she can't. But I digress. What I want to talk about today is how do we, wherever, wherever you are in the world, whether you work for somebody else, you have your own business, your business is growing, your business is stagnating, you have a brick and mortar business, a mom and pop shop, you have an online business, you have an Amazon, you know, you're an Amazon seller, whatever your business is, whatever your career profession is, how do you, this is what I'm going to answer today recession-proof your life and business. That's what I'm going to get into. And so first, I'm going to give you the facts on what a recession is and the criteria by which a period of time is considered a recession. So in episode 196, a recession is coming, is your business ready? I just free-flowed my intuition, what my gut was telling me. Fast forward three years, I was right. Um, but this episode is different. I want to give you the data. I want to give you the definitions 
I want you to understand the historical, at least from a US perspective. I don't know how recessions have worked in Australia or in Greece or in France or in Germany. I'm going to give you the US perspective. And if you're in a different country, I would highly recommend you go do your research on your country's history of, of recessions and depressions. But I want to give you the data. So the facts, the, the historical context of recessions. And then we're going to talk about what my gut feeling is on where this recession is heading, which when I tell you my gut feeling, this is what my intuition is telling me is going to happen. So I'm going to just give it to you here and you can, you can, if it resonates, good. If it doesn't resonate, find, find someone who's talking about it who resonates with you. And then third in this episode, I'm going to share with you 10 things you can do to recession proof your life and business. So five things you can do to recession proof your life. And five things you can do to recession-proof your business. All right, let's dive in. We got a lot to talk about. So let's begin with with recession realities, um, and then let's talk talk about facts, right? Because I think a lot of people turn on the news or they watch, you know, some YouTube video or some Instagram live, and they hear the term recession, and they kind of they either get really scared because they're like, well, "What does that mean?" Or they just poo-pooed away like, Psh, whatever, it's just a, you know, what, whatever. I, I don't have stock on the stock market. It doesn't matter. So let's do a little education because I think it's important for us to, to operate and to talk in this episode using the same understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, coming from a common language around this. So in 1974, economist Julius Shiskin, that's an interesting last name, Shiskin, Julius, came up with a few rules of thumb to define, to, to give us the definition of recession. And so he, here was, here was economist Julius, his particular definition of recession. Two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. So two quarters in a row of contracting gross domestic product. The last time I even heard the term GDP, honestly, was when I did my MBA. Don't ask me to go deep into what that means. But anyway, two quarters in a row of contracting output that suggests that there are some serious underlying pro problems because we're not sending stuff out, right? Gross domestic product. Uh, we have declining GDP. So when you have two consecutive quarters, according to economist Julius Shiskin, then you've got what we call a recession. Now, in the same year in 1974, the commissioner of the Bureau of Labor Statistics added an additional part to the definition. So not only is a recession defined by two consecutive quarters of a declining GDP, but the commissioner of the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 1974 said, you know, it, it's, it's having 1.5% decline in gross national product or the total value of all goods and services produced in a given year plus foreign investment. And the commissioner of the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 1974 said unemployment needed to reach 6% or higher, right? So Julius says it's two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. The commissioner of the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 1974 says 1.5% 1 decline in gross national product and unemployment needed to reach 6% or higher. To add to that definition, the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, so, so we're very US-centric here. I do understand that I'm giving you a US-centric definition of recession. If you're in another country, please do the research and figure out in Germany, in France, in Scotland, what does, 
what what are all of these bureaus? What are they called there? And what what have they said? So in the US, the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, which is generally recognized as the authority that defines the starting and ending dates of US recessions, the NBER, their definition of recession is this, a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. So seeing a significant decline in economic activities, such as real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. So in general, we're in a recession when there are two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Also, when there's unemployment that reaches 6% or higher, also when we have 1.5% decline in gross national product, and also when we see a significant decline for longer than a few months of things like real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. I feel like I'm in an MBA class here. I really hated my MBA. Okay. And I hated managerial economics, by the way, not an economist. Okay. So, so now we, we're operating with a common language as, as we're working through this of what a recession is, two consecutive quarters of declining GDP, gross domestic product. Now, it begs the question because people have heard of things like the Great Depression, right? So some people might be saying, well, a recession is little, right? Like a depression is massive. A recession is little. So should I really be worried about recession, a recession when it really only lasts a certain amount of time? And here's what I'm going to say. Let's, let's be clear. So recessions, the precursor to a depression is a recession. Let me start there. You don't get a depression without having a recession first. So while a recession is a gradual decline of the economy that occurs over at least six months, a depression is an extended recession or a serious decline in the economy that lasts for years. Now there's a bit more to the, to a depression. It's not only that it's got to be a recession that lasts for years, not months. It's also that the unemployment rate needs to rise above 20% and there needs to be a significant decline in gross domestic product among other factors for it to be considered depression. But the thing I want you to get here because this is where people want to play on words, right? They're like, yeah, recession, it happens all the time. And we always go through recessions. And it's not a, you know, it's not the Great Depression, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing I need you to understand. Like, let, like, let's just, let's, let's, let's sound the alarm. I think Beyonce said this. Let's sound the alarm. A depression is an extended recession. So you got to have the recession before it can then have the opportunity to become a depression. So if we're heading into a recession, to pretend like that couldn't possibly ever become a depression is to put wool over your eyes because you don't know and I don't know. We don't know when when there's going to be that recession that then becomes a depression. Nobody knows. So I felt called to do this podcast episode because I want everybody who listens to me to treat this upcoming recession like it may lead to a depression. So you're prepared either way. If it's just a recession, it's just another blip, cool beans. 
But you don't want to, to get blindsided by life when a recession then becomes a depression. Now, I don't want people getting freaked out and afraid. In the United States, in all of this time, we've only had one depression. Okay. We've had many recessions. We've only had one depression. So I don't want you to feel like, oh my goodness, you know, like, could this really be depression? Well, it could. It, any of these recessions could lead to a depression. We haven't had a depression since 1929. And the Great Depression started in 1929 and lasted to 1933. So that's four years. But the economy didn't recover for a decade. Okay. It didn't recover till World War II. Took a war to do that. So what am I saying? I want you to treat this next recession like it could easily lead to a depression because it could. And I'd rather you be prepared for a depression and one never happen than you not be prepared for depression and then one happens and you're freaking out. Like, let's not do freakouts if we don't need to. Let's preserve our nervous system. Let's be resilient. Let's be grounded. But let's prepare. That's all I'm saying. So just to give you some flavor, we've only had one depression in the United States. That was in 1929. We haven't had one since. Um, my gut would tell me we're due for one, but, but I don't want to be, you know, the Eeyore in the room, the pessimist, but I'm just saying we need to pre prepare for every recession like it could lead to a depression, even though in the back of our minds, we know it probably won't. Let me talk about the last seven recessions that occurred in the U.S. because I want to give you some, some context here. We had a, we had a recession in December, 1969. It lasted 11 months. Then we had a recession four years later in 1973. So November, so December, 1969, we had a recession. It lasted 11 months. November, 1973, we had a recession. It lasted one year and four months. Quite, a, quite a bit longer. Then in January, 1980, we had a recession that only lasted six months. Then the next year in July, 1981, we had a recession that lasted one year and four months. Then after July, 1981, we got a big break because we didn't see another recession until July, 1990. I think that was the dot-com burst. If I, uh, I didn't do the research on that, but I think the 1990 thing aligned with, and it could have been 2001, but I think it aligned with the, the dot-com. Maybe that was 2001. So July, 1990, we had an eight-month recession. So we had a break from 1981, where it was a one-year, four-month recession. Then in July 1990, nine years later, we had another recession, eight months. We didn't see another recession after the July 1990 recession until March 2001, which I think that was actually the dot-com bubble burst, was 2001. So from 1990 to 2001, so July 1990, we had an eight-month recession. March 2001, we had an eight-month recession. So we had a break for 11 years from July 1990 to March 2001. Then the next recession, we got a six-year break. So from March 2001 to December 2007, that was the Great Recession. And the Great Recession, you remember, with all the foreclosures and people getting qualified for homes that weren't really qualified for homes and the bubble burst. And December 2007 was the Great Recession. And that lasted one year and six months. So so since, since basically July 1981, that recession lasted one year, four months, there had not been that long of a recession until the Great Recession in December 2007. And that lasted one year, six months. So I'm giving you context because if you look at the, the dates 
of U.S. recessions. We tend to have a recession, like literally every four to nine or 10 years. And so 81 to 90, that was nine years. 90 to 2001, that was 11 years. 2001 to 2007, that was six years. Um, to say we are due for a recession, well, I don't know. I mean, I would love it if we wouldn't have any recessions. But hey, you know, if you look historically, if you were to plot this out on a, on a chart, on a graph, you'd be like, okay, so typically, you know, on average, every four years sometimes, and then every nine or 10 years other times. The last one was the Great Recession in 2007. We're now, what, 2022. So we've literally gone 15 years, 15 years from 2007 to 2022 without a recession. Beautiful, beautiful. We're probably due for one, okay? Probably due for one. So I, I say all of this to say that um, the Great Recession was in 2007. We haven't had a recession since. We've only had one depression in the United States, and that was way back in 1929, and it took nearly a decade to economically recover from that. And what I what I want you to understand is this is not information that is meant to make you afraid. This is not information that is meant to make you want to just, you know, start stashing and saving money in your mattress like they did during the Great Depression. I want you to have this data because you need to make different choices is my point. We all need to make different choices. So let me talk about my intuitive sense of where this recession is going. And let me give a disclaimer because somebody's going to send me an email that says, no, no, no. So-and-so economist told me that I am not an economist. I do not pretend to be one on TV. Um, I am, I'm not sitting in the data trying to, to use the data as some crystal ball. I think the data is flawed as well. And I think the data tells a narrative that whoever is calling the data wants you to hear. So I'm not going to go with that either. I'm listening to my own inner knowing like I did three years ago on the podcast. And I'm going to tell you what my gut is telling me in terms of where this recession is going. And you might not like what I have to say, but I would say, please save this podcast episode. So in a year or two, uh, when things unfold, you can come back and listen to it again. And you can see if I was right or I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Who knows? We'll see. So here is my intuitive sense of where this recession is going. Um, I think this recession, it already feels very different than any other recession, even than the Great Recession in, in 2007. This recession is going to be different. Never in my 44 and a half years of life have I seen eggs jump to the prices they are, uh, steak jump to the prices they are, gasoline jump to the prices they are supply chain problems, the way that we have them. People can't even get baby formula. Like uh, the, what do they call it? The perfect storm of things that are happening around the world and in the United States. I have never seen a perfect storm like what is happening right now. And whenever there is a perfect storm, what that tells me intuitively is that this is going to be not just the normal thing. This is going to be worse than the normal thing. Now, the, the level of worse that that's going to be, who knows what, what, what level of worse. But my gut tells me this is not going to be an easy peasy 1980 recession. This is going to be different. 
when you combine the supply chain problems, the baby formula problems, the eggs, the prices of food skyrocketing, the prices of gas skyrocketing, you know, truck drivers, you know, the price of diesel gas, I mean, you know, airplane, jet fuel, when you combine all of that inflation with the fact that we're still in a real estate market where home prices are through the roof, where bidding wars are happening, where people are still overbidding for homes that aren't even worth the asking price that people are asking and they're getting. Combined with the fact that not only, you know, even in times where we've had really, it's been a seller's market in real estate and, and, you know, sellers could dictate the price. And there have been times when there were bidding wars before. What's different about this real estate market is not only are there bidding wars for homes that people want to purchase, the rental prices for people who can't afford to buy, who don't qualify to buy, who don't have $150,000 saved to put down a 20% down payment, the rental market is crazy. Like when I tell you in a place like Salt Lake City, Utah, when a one or two bedroom apartment is $2,000 a month, you tell me how a recent college grad, unless he or she is living with three other people, is going to be able to afford two grand for a one to two bedroom apartment in Salt Lake City, Utah, let alone Dallas, San Francisco, Los Angeles, you know, uh, Durham, North Carolina. Like the rental market is crazy and people are desperately looking for rentals in these markets and they can't find them. Okay. So we have a real estate market that is still super crazy. We've got a rental market that is overpriced and the demand is so high that they're getting those rental prices, but we're also pricing out the, the college grads who cannot afford $2,000 a month for a one bedroom apartment. And homes are still selling like hotcakes and rentals are still going for those $2,000 prices for one bedroom. So everything is increasing in price. Add to that the fact that the value of the dollar is down. I don't know about the euro, but the value of the dollar is down. Add to that the fact that people still have to provide for their families the way they have been. They've got to feed them, clothe them, get them formula, drive them to and from school, even when the commute is very, very long. They still have to put gas in their vehicles. So now what we're seeing with, with the recent uh, you know, notifications in the news about, you know, Netflix has losing market share. Netflix is losing massive revenue. Hulu, Disney Plus, I mean, all of them. They're just, you know, Amazon is losing money. Can you believe it? Like, who doesn't have Prime? Amazon's losing money. Okay. Why are the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazons and the Disney's pluses of the world losing money? You know why? Because when you need to feed your children and you need enough gas in your car to take them to and from school, and you have to pay for their school fees and their lunch fees, and you know you can barely make it right now, guess what is the first thing to go out of your budget? Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Stars on Demand, HBO On Demand, all the On Demand, first thing to cut. So Netflix shouldn't be surprised when their market share is down. Neither should Hulu, neither should Amazon, because I'll tell you what, if I have to choose between a little item I want Amazon Prime to send me in two days and eggs, guess what I'm going to choose? Eggs. So I'm going to spend $3 less on Amazon Prime so I can now pay $5 for eggs I used to pay $2 for. So we're seeing people starting to do that in their behaviors. We're seeing companies starting to lay off people at Netflix and other places because now they have to say, wow, we, we're losing money here. 
what are we going to do? You add to that the fact that wages and profitability in business, they're not climbing to match inflation. And, and in fact, I mean, this podcast is geared to entrepreneurs, but there are many people who are not entrepreneurs who are not the, you know, they're working for someone else and their job is dependent upon, you know, whether the company can still afford to keep them. Their job is dependent upon whether they do the good work that they, that they need to do every single day. Their job is dependent upon whether the corporation really wants to keep the bottom line item of their role because it's not just the salary you pay every employee. It's the benefits. It's the pension. It's the retirement. Every employee costs a company a lot of money. And so now companies are looking at their, their finances and they're going, who can we let go of? What can we automate? What can we use artificial intelligence to do so we can cut what is probably our biggest line item on our budget, which is human resources? What can we cut because a recession is coming and this is, this could break us if we don't cut things. So all of these things are swirling and wages are not climbing. And yes, I know all about the, what is it? The great, what do they call that? Resignation, the great resignation. Well, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take a crystal ball to see. You know what's going to happen with the great resignation as we go into the recession? People are going to go back to work and they're going to make less money because by the time they go back to work, so many people are trying to go back to work that now there's going to be plenty of people applying for each and every single job, which means the company's going to pay less, right? Because now it's a company's market, not a job seeker's market. So let me tell you what my intuition says about what's going to be happening with this recession. So number one, I don't know how to be nice about this. I don't think I can be nice about this. The real estate market is, is, is la vida loca. Okay. It, it is el pollo loco, crazy chicken. Okay. So the real estate market, because it's going to take some time for this to be felt in the real estate market, because people are still bidding like crazy. The real estate market is going to cool. Now, are we going to see the 2007 massive foreclosures? No, no. As I said at the beginning, we're not going back. That, that was then. This is now. But everybody who's out there right now looking for a home to buy because you think homes are running scarce, which I question that. That's a whole other episode. Uh, I need to bring a real estate expert and talk about it. I I question that lie. <clears throat> The real estate market in response to the recession by 2024, in my mind, this is what my intuition is telling me, is going to cool. It's going to cool to where the prices of homes normalizes because A, the interest rates are going up so people can afford less house now. B, people are going to stop buying because now that they're seeing all of the increases in pricing, they're starting to really second guess like, can we afford to take on a home? Can we afford all the, the expenses of taking on a home? If we rent something and something breaks, we call the property management company, they fix it. If we buy a home and the furnace goes or it, the basement floods, like that's a very big expense. And if we can barely buy the house and get into it, how will we handle all of those things? So I do think you're going to see by 2024 that the real estate market is going to cool down, not way down, because there still are people feeling like, you know, investors are going out and buying homes like crazy. So that's part of the problem. But the other piece of the problem is people are still like, oh man, this is, a, you know, the, the prices are going higher and higher. Can I help you out with something? I, I love real estate. Like I can't wait till I get into the real estate game. 
the prices on homes in this area of the country. Yeah, I mean, I would say they're probably 30,000 more today for for an average house than they were 2 years ago. But they're still like in this but 30, 50,000 still in the same ballpark. And I would anticipate that in two years time, we're actually going to see a reduction in the price of homes by 30 to 50,000, depending on the price of the home. If you're talking about buying a $500,000 home, let's say there's a house right now and the homes in the neighborhood are going for 600,000, right? 1200 square feet, three bedroom house, nothing gorgeous, not a mansion, but going for over half a million dollars. Okay. Cause the market's crazy. It's 600,000 right now. And a few years ago, it was probably closer to 550. I think by 2024, that house that's now 600,000 is going to come closer to 550, 560. So the prices are going to normalize. The market's going to cool because fewer people are going to go out and buy. And more people are going to say, let me just sit tight for a minute because I, with all of these changes to mergers, acquisitions, companies laying off, Netflix laying off, like I got to know that our income is locked in and and sure before we make this major, major step, right? So people are going to be more wary. So it's going to cool the market by 2024. The prices are going to go down a little, right? 40, 50,000. They're not going to go down by much. And in really hot markets like in Austin, like at pretty much all of the metro areas in Florida, they're probably going to go down 10, 20,000, if even that. So for any of you who are like, I desperately need to buy a house now because by 2024, it's going to be so much more expensive. Don't believe the hype, please. Save your money. Save your money. Put more down in 2024. Um, do more homework in 2024 because I think there will be more foreclosures on the market. Will it be a foreclosure frenzy in 2024? No, we're not going back to 2007. But will there be more foreclosures on the market once we give it two more years and we don't have government money like paying people's mortgages? Yes. By 2024, there will be more foreclosures on the market that you can then grab. So, I think by 2024, rentals will also still be sky high because think about it. If if the average starter home in most major cities is a good $600,000, and I'm not even talking California because in California, the average starter house is a million, okay? So we won't even touch California. But if the average starter house in most locations, and I've looked in North Carolina and, and Salt Lake and you know Austin... If you're going to get a pretty nice house in a pretty nice subdivision that's about 14, 1500 square feet, you're going to pay about 500,000 to 600,000. Maybe in Texas you'll pay 450, but depending on what you want, it's going to be close to half a million. So if you're going to put 20% down on a house that's $500,000, you need $100,000. There is no reason to be running to try to do that now when by 2024, A, there will be more foreclosures on the market. B, uh, the, the housing market will cool. So you'll, you'll be able to negotiate a better deal. C, you'll have two years from 2022 today to 2024 to save more money, to cut down some debt, to hopefully be in a better position to negotiate and purchase and have a lower mortgage payment every single month. And, you know, rental, I think the rental market's still going to be crazy in 2024. I think it's going to go even higher because fewer people can buy which means more people have to rent, which means now the rental market in even in 2024 is going to be sky high. It's going to be ridiculous. So college kids are going to have an issue. Like most of them are going to go back home and live with their parents because they're like, I can't afford to have my own place. 
So my gut is telling me that the rental market will continue to skyrocket. The housing market will cool. So um, I also think that a lot of companies are going to look at AI. They've already been looking at artificial intelligence for years. They've already been trying to figure out how do I replace somebody's role? Like, can we get a machine to do this, a robot to do this? That is going to go full steam ahead and they're going to work. And I'm talking major, major companies, right? Fortune 100, Fortune 500 they're going to work really hard to reduce their bottom line of HR and to and to do more productivity-wise with less people. But you don't need a crystal ball for that because they've been trying to do it for the last 20 years. So expect that. I do think that people are going to tighten up their disposable income expenditures like DoorDash, like Uber Eats, um, apps that they purchase, streaming services. I think people are going to eat at restaurants less. I think people are going to go on vacation less. I think uh, people are going to fly on planes less for leisure. Uh, I do think there's you're going to see less of an expenditure on hospitality and tourism, less of an expenditure on delivery services. All of those businesses in this recession are going to take a hit. Because again, when you've got to feed your babies, you've got to get them to school and you want them to be in private school, what are you going to cut? You certainly are going to stop doing DoorDash with those extra fees. You certainly are going to stop doing, you know, as much as I love Peloton and, and I'm, I'm going to pay for my Peloton no matter what, but that fee every month, I mean, you're going to look at that kind of sideways for a minute. So a lot of those things are going to change. In addition to that, you're going to see with the with the recession that's coming, what you always see with recessions, layoffs, downsizing, mergers and acquisitions, the, those things are going to make a big comeback. And so people in general, the vibe that people are going to have through this recession is really feeling shaken, right? Because a lot of the people during the pandemic who ran out and bought houses in, in remote rural states because they thought they'd be able to work remote forever, who are now being told by those major tech companies, no, 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 actually, we need you to come back to San Francisco. We need you to come back to New York. We need you to come back to LA. We need you to come back to Salt Lake because you actually have to be in the office starting, you know, by 2023. So the reality of people having made rash decisions to buy properties in states where their headquarters are not located and now being called back to those headquarters to work is also going to change the real estate market. It's going to change how much money gets funneled into those rural communities that we're seeing much more money with, with people who work for, let's say, Facebook or Amazon or whatever. You're going to see those dynamic changes because now it's no longer everybody gets to be remote. It is going to go back to a lot of the companies that allowed people to be remote for the pandemic are going to say to people, no, we, we actually want you in office. So you're going to need to move back like pronto. I also think with the real estate market, there's going to be an increase in property taxes and, and it's going to not simply in 2024, but for the next five to 10 years, it's going to force people who have lived in places their whole lives to no longer be able to afford to live in those places because you've got the people from California, New York now moving to locations because they can be remote and buying homes cash and driving up the property taxes. And the people who've lived there three generations deep can't afford the property taxes. That is also going to happen, not simply in 2024, but over the next five to 10 years. Um, people who are purchasing homes right now, People who started purchasing homes for ridiculous prices, because those homes were not worth those prices in 2019, to today, 
they're going to feel the pinch in 2024 when they go to refinance their homes and figure out their homes aren't worth what they were in 2019 or 2020. And they're going to be stuck with those homes till things ease up in 2025, 2026. So if you made the mistake, and I'm, I'm being clear when I think, when I say I believe it was a mistake of buying a home from 2019 to 2022, um, just be good with staying in the house for five to seven years. That's the rule of thumb anyway. Like you shouldn't buy a home unless you know you're probably going to be there five to seven years. If you plan to be in a home any less than five years, it actually costs you way more than you get out of it. Even if you make it, you know, you make profit at, at the closing table. So I think a lot of the people who are purchasing right now and who purchased in 2019 and 2020 are going to realize by 2024 that they made a mistake. And then they're going to have to sit with that mistake for two or three more years before they can sell it and at least break even. Here's the thing I want to say about all of that. All recessions are temporary, right? I, I, I don't think a recession is a reason to be afraid. Um, I do think a recession forces people to really look at their budgets closely and to make really conscious financial decisions. I think a recession forces people to look at their level of debt and really ask themselves a question they did not ask when they were getting into the debt, which is how comfortable am I if things go in the wrong financial direction? How comfortable do I feel sitting with this debt in my life? Like, is that, does that feel good to me if money is tight? So I do like the fact that even in the hard times of recession, it forces us to take a deeper look at our relationship with money and what we actually, how we actually want to relate to our money, right? Uh, I also think though, on the flip side of that, because the, the conscious way is use a recession to really get clear on your relationship with money. But on the flip side of that, I think a lot of people during the recession are going to turn to debt as a way to pay bills. And listen, I understand when people have to refinance a house and pull, you know, capital out of the house because they need to pay the bills and high interest credit cards and taking out personal loans and all that. You do what you got to do to survive, period. But you're going to see many more people do that because now with inflation and with the increased cost of everything, the way that they're making it is by, by taking out more debt. And that is going to keep them from being able to do and expand and, and take risks that you cannot take when you owe that much money to other people. So those are my gut instincts in terms of what I think this next recession is going to bring. Now, I want to get to the solutions, right? Because at the end of the day, you might have listened to everything I just said. And you, you just bought a house and you're super depressed. Now you're like, oh, what was I thinking? Listen, at the end of the day, everything is always working out for you. So if you, if you bought a house, you paid too much money for it, A, accept it. B, it's yours. So, well, the bank owns it, but you know, you, you'll get the deed once you paid off. And C, now you got to figure out, well, what do I want to do next, right? So what's done is done. What do I want to do next? So I'm going to talk about 10 things you can do to recession-proof your life and business. I'm going to give you five things to, to do in your business and five things to do to recession-proof your life. Let's start with business. Number one, Build relationships with your clients now. If you are in business, let me just help you out. Trust is the number one deciding factor on whether someone's going to buy something from you. And so if you're in a business and you feel like, man, you know, I'm in a business that if they really had to cut their budget, what I offer, massage therapy, Feng Shui consulting, coaching, like I'm one of the first things to go if they have to pay for their kids' private school. If you're in one of those businesses, here's what I'm going to tell you. Trust trumps all of that. 
People buy from people they know and from people they trust. And if a recession isn't going to hit hard for another year or two, which I really think even though, you know, they may, they may diagnose our economy with a recession next quarter because it's two consecutive quarters. I don't think we're going to feel the repercussions for another year or two. So not till 2023, 2024. So if you've got a year or two before we really get into the thick of it, then here's what I'm going to say. Build your relationship with your clients. Everything is relationship. This is the time to serve your clients well. This is the time to send out surveys. This is the time to send out heart, heartfelt emails. This is the time to get on FB Live. This is the time to build a YouTube channel. This is the time to have a consistent presence and to focus less on the money they can make you and more on what? Serve, 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 serve your tribe. Serve them well, serve them completely. It's what Gary Vaynerchuk said in his book, Jab, Jab, Hook, right? Like the hook is the sales pitch. But for every hook, you should be giving, giving twice, jab, jab, hook. So practice the jab, jab, hook by building relationships with your clients now. Second thing you can do to recession-proof your business, create cheaper products and services. I'm going to do a whole episode about this in the digital product world, but let me just say this. There, there was a time in online business, I won't speak for brick and mortar business because I don't know if this is the case there. But there was a time in online business where everything that entrepreneurial uh, teachers, mentors were teaching new entrepreneurs to do is they called it sell high ticket items, right? Like sell high ticket, you want high ticket, sell, you know, here's what I'm going to tell you. In a recession, people are not going to say yes to your $15,000 coaching program. They're just not. But you know what they will say yes to? a $59 digital product that you create once and they can click the button and buy and then immediately download it. They'll say yes to a $59 product without even blinking. They'll say yes. But a $15,000 coaching program, I don't think so. So start brainstorming in your business and thinking about what cheaper products and services can I offer that do not require my one-to-one time that I can build, I can put on a website, they click pay, they give the money, and then immediately they get to download it. Create cheaper products and services. That's number two. Number three, cut your business budget. Yes, I said it. I need a sip of drink of water. This has been a long podcast. Help me. Cut your business budget. What services, subscriptions, and employees, yes, I said that. I hate to have to say that, but yes, assistance, virtual assistance, editorial assistance, what employees do you not absolutely need, right? I know some of you have employees that you know have been dead weight for a long time that you wanted to be the good guy with or good girl with or good person with, and you did not want to get rid of them. And here's what I'm going to say. It's time for them to go. It's time for them to go. Cut anything in your business right now, even before you need to do those cuts. Cut services, subscriptions, and yes, employees, it is time to go lean in your business in every way you can before the recession fully sets in and you feel the pinch where now you have to do it. Do it before you have to. Cut your business budget. Fourth thing, work on becoming the authority in your market niche. In other words, get in front of the problem and build your authority. Go on other people's podcasts. Do local television as much as you can. Do YouTube, you know, IG, TikTok, Snapchat, all those kind of streaming interviews. Do them. Get yourself out there. Do a daily FB live. Like, 
you could market yourself amazingly well for free using video. LinkedIn now has, you know, real time video live things. Find your platform, go on video, become the authority in your market niche now. So two years from now, when people have money that's tight, they have heard you teach them for two years, they will still buy from you because they trust you and because they see you as the authority. Number four, work on becoming the authority in your market niche. Number five, cut any product lines or services that don't have serious ROI. Listen, I know there are certain parts of your business you absolutely love, but if your clients don't love them, cut them. I'm being serious. If your clients don't love them, if they're not paying for them, if the money is not there, if you look at the numbers and the sales are not there, stop doing things in your business that don't make you money. Stop it. Cut any product lines or services that do not have serious ROI, return on investment. Cut them now. So there are the five things that you can do to recession-proof your life and business. One, build relationships with your clients now. Two, create cheaper products and services that don't require your one-on-one attention. Three, cut your business budget. That includes employees. Four, work on becoming the authority in your market niche. And five, cut any product lines or services that don't have serious ROI. Now, let's get to the part I really want to talk about because a lot of people listen to my podcast who aren't entrepreneurs, who are professionals in a career working for someone else. So I also today wanted to talk about what are five things you can do to recession-proof your life. Let me give them to you. One, real estate, don't buy, pay off. Okay, I've already said this. If you've bought a house, it's too late. Don't worry about it. Don't get all guilt, shame, blame, cycle of, you know, don't, don't, don't get in your feelings about it. If you've already purchased a home, it's done. Pay it off. Focus on turning a 30-year mortgage into a 15. That's the goal. If you haven't purchased a house, and I know some people are going to really come at me for this. They're going to be like, no, 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 no. The market's going to be crazy in 2024. It's going to be so much more expensive. I don't believe them. I don't believe them. I believe that the market's going to cool and that you're going to pay anywhere from thirty dollars to $50,000 less than what the market is asking right now in 2024. If you can wait a little bit, save more money, and then buy a house in 2024, my advice is, don't buy now. Wait, wait, wait. At least till 2023. And then possibly to 2024. Wait. Just watch what the market does. If you've already bought, focus. Don't focus on doing a remodel and getting a second mortgage and have it. Don't get more debt on your house. Pay off the mortgage you have. Turn it into a, and I don't mean change the loan and turn it to a 15 year note from a 30 year. Don't do that because you need the leeway of the 30 year in case things go astray. I mean, you have a 30 year mortgage on paper, but you're sending extra money to the principal balance every month so you can turn it into a 15 year loan. That's all I'm saying. Please keep in mind, and I love Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because he's the first one to ever teach me this. A home is not an asset. It is a liability. It is not an asset. It is a liability. It costs money to deal with the issues that come with every single home, even if they're brand new. So the first thing I would say to recession-proof your life is don't buy a house if you haven't bought one. Save money. Buy in 2023 or 2024. If you've already bought a home, turn the 30-year note into a 15-year note. Whatever you got to do, make it happen. Number two, cut your food budget drastically. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that having been raised by Haitian immigrants, um, 
My mother taught me how to do certain things that to this day, if I had to do them, I still could. For example, I don't need a, a, a washer and dryer. It's great that I have one. I feel very blessed that I have one. But you know what? If I had to wash my clothes by hand with ivory soap, I could do that. If I couldn't afford salmon and, you know, organic beef and all the fancy things that I have in my deep freezers, I, I could, I could live off of rice and beans and dumpling soup, flour, white rice, kidney, goya beans. Like I, I could live on very little in terms of a food budget and make it work. Would it be boring? Yes. Could I make it work? Yes. I could take tomato paste and make uh, sauce for pasta and, and just have spaghetti every single day if that's what I need to do. Now, does that go with my autoimmune diet? No. But if I had to, you better believe I could do it. So second thing you can do to recession-proof your life is cut your food budget drastically. How do you do that, especially if you're one of those people who's used to doing all your shopping at Sprouts or Whole Foods, and you know Whole Foods is expensive, you create meal menus. You figure out what's the cheapest way for me to eat organic. What's the cheapest way for me to eat healthy. You figure out where the cheapest places to go. You live by your meal menus. You make cheaper meals. You buy the, the fruits and the vegetables on sale. You figure out which fruits and vegetables don't need to be organic because they have skin on them. So don't buy everything. Don't buy the things that don't need to be bought organic. Maybe you stop eating organic for a while because you just need to do that. Stop eating out, stop ordering in, stop doing Uber Eats, DoorDash, stop going to restaurants where you're like, no, 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 we can just do this every once in a while. And then you figure out after two weeks of tracking that you eat out at restaurants three nights a week. You're spending literally like $300 a week on restaurants. Don't do it. Cut your food budget starting now drastically, even if you don't have to, and especially if you don't have to. Third thing you can do to recession-proof your life. This is going to be a hard one for a lot of people. Cut down to one streaming app, preferably none. But I listen, I, I keep Netflix, and I know Netflix raised their price, and, and I wasn't happy with the $19.99 a month or whatever it is. But you know what? I like Netflix. I like Stranger Things. I like, there's just too much. I just finished Clickbait, even though it's been out for a long time. Like, I, I'm not letting Netflix go, okay? The other ones, yeah, I'll let go of Stars. I'll, Hulu, I let go of a long time ago. My whole thing is, Look at all of the streaming apps you have. I want you to tally up what they cost you every single month. Do you really need the Apple streaming app? Really? Do you really need Disney Plus? Do you really need Hulu? Do you like, do, do you like rank them and keep the number one streaming app? Cut the rest. Do you really need Disha Direct TV? I'm just asking, you know, they're expensive too. Plus all the streaming apps. Do you really need, what is it? What, what is the, the one that I, uh, AMC plus, like, do you need Sundance? Tally up what you spend every month on streaming apps. You will see most people are spending 50 to hundred dollars a month on streaming apps. Cut all of them except for your number one. Save money. Number four thing you can do to recession proof your life. Create and use a budget visually. Look, I don't like budgeting. I don't like being a budget either, but you know why I budget? Because I, I, I cannot live with the idea, and I learned this from Dave Ramsey, I cannot live with the idea that my money dictates what it does rather than me telling my money what it's going to do for me. And the only way I can tell my money what it's going to do for me is to actually have a budget that I follow. So 
if you want to recession proof your life before you ever have to deal with the, the, the full impact of recession, create and use a budget vigilantly. For example, could you just tell me if I asked you, if we were sitting at Starbucks together and I said to you, okay, so what are your total monthly expenses? Could you tell me? Um, do you include Amazon Prime in your total monthly expenses? I know a lot of people don't because they don't want to know how much they actually spend. Amazon Business Prime is beautiful because every time I log into Amazon Business Prime, it shows me on the left-hand side how much I've spent this month on business. It So it, it, it's in my face every time I go on Amazon, but I don't know if regular Prime does that. So do you know all of your monthly expenses, including the streaming apps, including Amazon Prime, including what you spend at Uber Eats and DoorDash? Do you keep track of how much money you're spending on all of those things? Mint is a great app, but there are other great apps like do you know what you spend? Do you know the net money you bring in? And are you actually telling your money what to do before you spend it? Or are you just letting it willy nilly go ever wherever it wants to do? And essentially it is dictating to you how it's going to go. Number four thing, create and use a budget vigilantly. Number five thing to do to recession proof your life, decide what your whole life profession needs to be and move in that direction. Okay. Final thing here. A recession is a really good time to do a, some deep work on is the line of business I'm in, whether I work for someone else or I work for myself. Is this really where I still want to be in 10 years? Is this the field I want to be in? Is this the industry I want to be in? Is this the business I want to be in? Does this fulfill me? Does this meet the needs of my whole life? I don't mean meet the needs of my finances. I don't mean, does this pay for the mortgage? I mean, if you had to continue to run the business that you run in the industry that you're in, if you had to continue to work in the position that you work in for the company that you work in for the next 10 years, would you be fulfilled? Would you have work-life harmony? Would you feel like you are doing what you were put on this earth to do? Because a recession is a great time. If your answer is no to any of the above, a recession is a great time for you to change direction. Because you know what? You got to be tight with your money. You got to save. You don't need to be spending a lot. You might as well go back to school. You might as well figure out how you're going to change careers, pivot, get a new certification, start a side hustle, start two side hustles. You could, if you, if you all of a sudden you've been an accountant your whole life and now you actually want to be a lawyer, figure out how you're going to get into law school. You might as well do it during a recession because you could be in school. Get going in that new career direction while you let the economy figure itself out. So by the time you're done with law school or, or medical school or becoming a therapist, now you get to see what the new landscape looks like for your particular profession. Same thing in business. If your business does not bring you joy, if your business does not make you feel challenged and ready to, to just serve your tribe well, what new business and industry do you need to go into now? Change it. Like, when everything's hitting the fan and life is get squeezing you tight, that's the best time to get up and make a, a total, what do they say? Plot twist, total plot twist in your life. Decide during a recession how you need to pivot in your career, in your business, and make the moves while the recession is going on that will allow you to make that pivot in the next five years. If it's law school, study for the LSAT the first year of the recession. Apply to law school the second year of the recession. Start law school when the recession is over, year one. 
And then a few years later, you've graduated from law school, and now you get to see what the economy looks like no longer in recession time. That's what I'm talking about. L Here's what I'm going to say at the end of the day. So, so the five things to recession to do to recession proof your life. One, real estate. Don't buy, pay off. Don't buy, pay off. Save your money if you want to buy. Buy in 2023 or 2024. Two, cut your food budget drastically. Three, cut down to one streaming app, preferably no streaming apps. But you know, I got Netflix, so I can't say no. Just, it, just keep your number one. Four, create and use a budget vigilantly. And five, decide what your whole life profession needs to be and move in that direction. Here's what I'm going to say at the end of the day. Recessions are not things to be afraid of. What you ought to be afraid of is not making sure that you live your life in a constant state of readiness, in a constant state of vigilance, like you know you've got solid savings, you know your FICO score is good, you know, like you need to always be ready because as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, a depression is an extended recession. So nobody, I don't care what the greatest economist in the world says, nobody knows which recession is going to lead to a depression because nobody knows you need to prepare. So whenever that happens in your lifetime, you are ready. You are ready with food. When I tell you the pandemic happened, there was no paper towels and no toilet paper. And now I have two closets full of those things. I I'm prepared. Like I slept on it that one time. But rest assured, there will always for the rest of my life be two closets of paper towels and toilet paper. I'm, I'm ready. That is the point of this episode. I do not want you to be freaked out. You can handle whatever comes. I do not want you to sit in fear and say, what if I lose my job? If you lost your job, you'd find a way to make money. I'm not, this is not about going into the fear zone. What this is about is deciding how you want to do the next recession that comes whenever it comes. You can wait till it comes and get blindsided by it and have to quickly respond from a place of fight or flight, or before the recession fully has an impact, you can say, okay, let me figure some stuff up now. Let me create a plan now. Let me create a budget now. Let me decide if things got super tight, how would we do life as a family? How would we eat? What would we do? What would we cut? Start cutting those things now and banking money. Start taking certain calculated risks to pay off your house sooner rather than later, to get as debt-free as you can, to change careers that have a better outlook for how much money you could be making. I'll give you a prime example. You can be a teacher who makes $60,000 a year, or you can decide to go to law school and in three years you come out making $150,000 a year starting. Decisions. Decisions. And I'm not saying just go be a lawyer because you'll make six figures. I'm saying you have so many gifts. Don't limit yourself because of what you've always done. Really decide what your family needs, what your life needs, what you need. Make new decisions. So when a recession or depression happens, you aren't feeling like you're at the mercy of life. You are literally opening the door and you're saying, you know what, recession, I knew you were showing up. I just didn't know when. And you know what? Come sit at the table because I'm ready for you. Because I knew you were coming. You came late. But I was expecting you this whole time. So just, just sit down. We're going to have some dumpling soup over here because I had a feeling you'd show up at some point. That's the attitude you want to take to this. Not this whole, what's going to happen? Look, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Don't, be, don't live in fear. Live in faith. But faith without works is dead. 
So you got to do something is my point. Do something. Get your life and business ready because it is inevitable that in, for the rest of your lifetime, you will see more than one recession. Today, I just want to talk about the next one because it's about to be upon us, but there will be many more to come. So as Will Smith once said, get ready. No, what did he say? Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This was a super long podcast. I needed to do the education piece because we needed to talk the same language. Now you know what to do. And my thing is, like Nike, just do it. Just do it. Period. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of She Runs the Show. 